number seven, Stan Phillips. Happy Tuesday, folks. How's everybody doing? Hope you all had a good Labor Day weekend. Still enjoying the good weather that's out there. Well, the one thing that's not too good is our Metropolitans. They really let us down yesterday. Uh, Sugar Diaz, the main culprit. I hate to say it, that's one of the games we had to win. You have to. You have to take advantage of playing against these weak teams when you're behind in a race. You have to win. Now we got the Marlins for a series, but then after that, it's going to be getting tough. We got the Yankees, Cardinals, Phillies, Reds, uh, Red Sox, Braves at the end of the year. It's not going to be an easy run. And basically, when you do the math, the Braves finish 500, the Mets have to play almost 700 ball. And that's virtually impossible to do when you got a tough schedule like the Mets have. You never say never, it's never over till it's over. But they really took a major step back yesterday. Uh, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. That could have been the one that put the nail in the coffin. Because you have to remember, not only are we chasing the Braves, we're also chasing the Phillies. So now we're a couple games behind the Phillies. And uh, we really got to get our act together. Uh... That series against the Phillies, I think if we don't sweep that, we're done. Because then we're still catching two teams, trying to follow <clears throat> two teams in the standings and pass them by with two weeks to go. So it's not going to be uh, an easy task. Well, the one unique thing about all this, the Mets are 69-69 and 69 for the first team in their history. Wasn't 69 a magic number for us at one time? We talk about 500. We're now 27 and 27 in one-run games. The most such nail biters of any 2021 club. That is incredible. I mean, this has been the season of the one-run games for the Mets. Uh, and you know what? When you depend on one-run games and you're not dominating, <clears throat> a bounce here, a boop here, anything can happen. And it's usually a 50-50 coin flip, and by golly, it looks like it's the 50-50 coin flip for the Mets here. Now, do the Mets look like a playoff team to you? I know the majority of this audience are Mets fans, but do they look like a playoff team to you? Well, they short in on Monday afternoon as Nationals, and Edwin Diaz handed over a 4-3 victory to a team that's basically thrown in the towel and just playing guys who weren't even in their plans for the year in the Washington Nationals. And to make matters worse, it wasn't Diaz's first blown save of this series. It was his second. So if Diaz can't shut down <coughs> the Nationals, it's not a good sign, folks. It really isn't a good sign. So, again, I hate to be the bearer of good news, and I never give up. But it's not looking good. All right, don't sue me. We're always Met fans from day one. Until the end of our lives, whichever that may be. But the way the Mets are playing, they may end my life a little bit more prematurely than originally hoped. But 
it's not looking good. And where do you begin? I mean, uh, it's just tough. Uh, but the good thing is they did, did go 8-2 against these Nats and Marlins so, uh, in the 10 games there. But that giant Dodgers 13-game stretch really killed us. You put that into the mix. And what are we, 10 and 13? So you had to be at least 500. If you're not playing 500 ball by now, you don't stand the true chance. Uh, like I said, you never give up hope. And we're still even in the wild card hunt, which I thought we weren't going to be in. Uh, but we are. So, you know, just keep punching the numbers, play them one game at a time, and do what you got to do, I guess. But, again, I'm doing a podcast. I'm at a loss for words. Now, the one good easing blow is the Mets are going from D.C. to Miami. And basically, the Marlins are racing the Nats to the NLE's bottom. For three games, they'll be playing uh, the Marlins. And uh, like I said, the strength of the schedule intensifies after that. Neither are two subsequent two opponents, the Yankees, over the weekend and the Cardinals a week from now, both at home, is cruising. So it's some of those teams are going to have to win. Maybe the Mets can be that hot team, but if it's the Yankees and Cardinals, we could be in trouble. Now, their starting pitcher yesterday, Trevor Williams, acquired from the Cubs alongside Javier Baez, the trade deadline, Tuesday morning, Labor Day, hungover blues, I can't speak, grinded through five turbulent innings, giving up only two runs despite surrendering ten hits and two walks. So you talk about a gritty performance. Uh, He was gritty. (laughs) He wasn't dominating, but he was getting by. And next three weavers, Jaris Familia, Brad Hand, and Seth Lugo all put up zeros. Only for Diaz to resume his party pooper role in the ninth, walking Alcides Escobar, the owner of a 294 on base percentage, and Josh Bell before Andrew Stevenson tied and Carter Kaboom won it with singles. I say Kaboom, but it's actually Keyboom. Uh, and Diaz really had no command of his fastball, and he wasn't getting the results. Uh, but you know what? Diaz is our man. He's our closer, so we're going to sink or swim. And if it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. So I don't argue with Rojas having Diaz as the closer. He is your closer. And at this point, you got to go with the guy you think is your best pitcher at the closer. And I still think it's Diaz. He just didn't get the job this weekend. Uh, and the offense, again, that running and runners in scoring position blues continued. They went 1-for-10 with runners in scoring position. They had the chance to score more runs, and uh, it could have been a lot different ball game if they executed one or two more times with runners in scoring position. And it felt like a quiet 1-for-10, probably because their first two opportunities resulted in Michael Conforto moving Windor from second to third base, courtesy of the ground to the right side, and Pete Alonso singling home Windor for a 1-0 Met lead in the first. And that proved it. That was it for that department. The Mets' second run coming on a Jeff McNeil double play, and you don't want to see that happen to score a run. But that played Javier Baez from third base in the fourth, and Alonzo's 30th homer, a solo shot in the sixth off Nats starter Patrick Corbin. Now, like I said, it just wasn't a fun game to watch. And the Mets basically have to finish. They've got to deliver. 
You've got to score the runs that you're setting yourself up to score. Now, again, we're less than a month to completion of the season. It's been the same old story. The Mets season remains their underperforming offense even after it contributed to climb back to 500. So to get to 500, the offense came through. But now that we're back at 500, it's again the offense that is letting us down. Can't blame Pete Alonso. He's batting 417, 444, 792 in six September games. And regardless of whether the Mets make the playoffs, this trend this trends strongly toward an important rebound season for one of the franchise's faces. So it's good to see Pete's freshman year wasn't really a fluke. And in the future, maybe he can carry the teammates some more, and maybe even this year. And with 24 games to go, the Mets somehow can pull this off. Here at this Labor Day milepost, however mediocre by some pretty important measures, it really does inspire much confidence. But who knows? It's wacky. Every week, you look at all the teams in baseball. Just when you think a team is hot like the Yankees, they go cold. Just when you think the Red Sox are dead, they're back in the mix. Uh, Seattle's smoking it. I mean, the Cubs even won seven in a row. It's just crazy. That's the beauty of baseball. You don't know what's going to be happening next. You just don't. Now, what else uh, can we talk about? Well, we can just hammer Edwin Diaz all day, but is it really worth it at this point? I mean, he blew three straight saves for us back in July, if you recall that. And we were on him then. So I think that's kind of the life of a reliever. Not everyone's a Mario Rivera every year. And uh, he's in another rut now. He was entrusted with a run-run lead in ninth inning, and he mishandled it. Uh, and again, it came in his first appearance since blowing a save three days earlier against the Nationals. But the Mets survived that calamity by rallying to win with four runs in the tenth inning. And that was a crazy game, if you recall. So, we need Diaz. If Diaz can't executing these one-run games well you can kiss it all goodbye let's just face it uh and i could see aaron loops having a fantastic year but he's doing good at what he's doing but when you think of a closer you think of diaz with his fastball and lights out approach now his era is 3.93 because he's had a few bad outings he has six bone saves and 34 opportunities but he had recorded nine straight saves before Friday's missed opportunity. So, <sighs> what are you going to do? Trevor Williams, he was in trouble most of the afternoon, but kept the Mets in the game by allowing two earned runs on ten hits and two walks over five innings. You talk about walking a tightrope, and in that's placed at least two runners on base in each of the innings he pitched by the right-hander. Uh and the good thing, like I said, Pete Alonso has been run hot in his 30th home of the season. It was a blast leading off the six, and he gave the Mets a 3-2 lead against Patrick Corbin. So if you look at his, if you don't count last year, his rookie season and this year, he's now hit 83 homers in two full seasons, and uh, that bodes well, like I said. 
Baez and Pilar single in succession to begin the fourth, but the Mets only produced one run with Manil hitting that double play, which I mentioned before. Uh, Williams surrendered three hits in the fourth as the Nationals tied at 2-2. Louis Garcia, Corbin, and Wayne Thomas singled in succession for the run before Williams retired the next three batters. And who would think that Wayne Thomas would be a nuisance to the Mets throughout this five-game series? He finished 8 for 21, 381 batting average with two homers. Go figure, baseball is a funny game. Escobar's triple in the first led to the Nationals tying 1-1 on Juan Soto's ground out. Williams later walked Bell and surrendered a double to Yadiel Hernandez, but escaped the inning by striking out Keeble. Now our beloved Metropolitans, they're going to be going down to Miami on Tuesday. And uh, then we come back home for the Subway Series. Now if you remember last week, the Mets swept three games from the Marlins in City Field. But that included the resumption of a suspended contest from April, but I consider that a, a win, a current win, because that picked up in the top of the first inning. But it's definitely going to come down to a sprint. It's no longer a marathon. you got to play each game like it means the world. Put the blinders on and just go for it. Now, if you didn't watch the game, you're probably wondering, how did Trevor Williams survive when I mentioned all the stats that he had? Well, he went the bend but don't break route Monday and nearly escaped with the win. Now, it was a start necessitated by Saturday's doubleheader. The right-hander allowed 12 runners to reach base over five innings. But amazingly, he only surrendered two runs. And uh, you got to credit the Mets' defense and positioning for keeping in the game. I will give credit to the Mets. They seem to know where to position their fielders all the time. They do an uncanny job. And I guess it's the beefed-up analytics crew doing that job for the Mets. But hats off to them. Uh, But some of those, I'm watching the game, and some of those balls that were hit off the bat sounded great. And uh, it looked like a lot of them may fall. But you see the outfielders chasing it down, or it's hit into the shift, and it was looking good for Williams. So, and he did survive. And his five-inning appearance was his longest appearance in five appearances with the Mets. So that was a positive added performance. He did give us some innings, uh, and he kept us in the game. So I can't blame Williams. He did get a lot of support defensively, and you really can't blame him. That's for sure. Now, Dominic Smith returned from the Bruins and struck out as a pinch hitter in the ninth inning. Now, the Mets cleared roster space for Smith by optioning Chan Sisko to AAA Syracuse. And the Mets also reinstated pitcher Steven Nagosik from the injured list and optioned him to Syracuse. And uh, it looks like some good news may be on the Thor front as Syndergaard's quarantine could end as soon as Tuesday, 10 days after the right-hander tested positive COVID-19 delaying his minor league rehab start. Uh, I guess the message you're going to see where he's at. He's been doing all kinds of things indoors if you follow him on social media. Throwing the ball into a mattress, throwing the ball into a sock just to keep his arm in shape. But once he is cleared to begin activity outdoors, I think the Mets will find out what the plan is. And uh, he is returning from Tommy Don's surgery. And he managed to pitch one inning for single A Brooklyn before his second appearance was scuttled by the positive test. So if it's not one thing, it's another for Thor this year. And, uh... Our main man, Jacob DeGrom, has been playing catch from over 100 feet, but Rojas said there isn't a date set to get the right-handed throwing from a mound. Usually when he is at the 120 to 150 range, then they start talking more about mound work. Uh, 
So I think the Mets are just trying to get to that step first and then probably have a date and know what they want to do there. All right, I know you folks hear that music in the background. It's the Met Trivia and Jeopardy theme song. Well, we're going to go with the trivia question first today. How about that, kids? Here's the trivia question. Can you name the four players who are Mets captains? Once again, today's trivia question is, can you name the four players who have been Mets captains? Now today's final Mets Jeopardy. Made his major league debut on April 24th against the interleague rival New York Yankees. He came to the game the seventh inning, gave up a hit to Alex Rodriguez to load the bases, then getting Mark Teixeira to pop out and out, struck out Brian McCann and Carlos Beltran in inning 14. When the Mets made the playoffs, he was a part of the roster of the Mets all the way up to the 2015 World Series. That's your Jeopardy question, or clues, I should say, for the Jeopardy, and your trivia question. So tune back in, or stay tuned. At the end of the podcast, we will give you the answer. So lock them in and see how you did. Why do you do good every day? So let's hope for the best there, too. Okay, it's time to celebrate some Met birthdays today. First up, Dave Wallace. Remember Dave, he was our pitching coach from 1999 to 2000. And when he was here, the Mets really didn't have a true ace, but he did a good job putting that starting rotation together. And he had a pretty good bullpen. Uh, he was asked to join the Dodger front office. And in retrospect, the downfall of the team may have begun then and there. But there were rumors that he and Bobby Valentine didn't get along. And he was a good pitching coach who would rather be in the front office. And that's why he kind of left the Mets, but when he was here, he was a great pitching coach. So happy birthday to Dave Wallace. While celebrating a birthday, former Met, number eight, Rick Sweet. He played three games with us. Only got three at-bats. He was a catcher by trade. Uh, but he also managed the, I don't know if you guys remember this, in uh, 87, he managed the Binghamton Mets. So he's a baseball guy through and through. Uh, happy birthday to Darren Bragg. Uh, Darren Bragg signed as a free agent with the Mets in the beginning of the 2001 series in the offseason, but then he was claimed by the Yankees June 12, 2011. With the Mets in 2001, he had 57 at-bats, batted 263. And he did have a four-hit game against the Marlins on May 24, 2001. So happy birthday to Darren Bragg. Also celebrating a birthday today? Jason Isringhausen. Oh, what potential we thought Jason. He was going to be the man. He was going to be our next Tom Seaver. Yeah, he had a decent career with the Mets. I mean, you know, nothing to write home about. He became a stud pitcher in, uh, as a reliever for the Cardinals and, by, uh, and the A's. But 96 was the year he was a starter by trade. Started all 27 games he appeared on, 171 innings. Had a 4.770 ERA and a 6-14 record. But then the Mets slowly transitioned him to uh, the reliever role in 1990-09. And then when he came back to the Mets in 2011, he was strictly a reliever and appeared in 53 games with a 4.05 ERA with seven saves. I always liked Jason. I'm just sad that he never lived up to his potential with the Mets. Who was celebrating a birthday? David Newhan. He played with us in 2007, 74 at-bats. Uh, he could play everywhere, left field, outfield, second base, third base. Uh, ward number 17, that's what people, 
There was a lot. I remember there was a little bit of controversy when they gave David Newhand number 17, and people are saying, what the hell? Isn't Keith supposed to be, number supposed to be retired soon? But David did wear number 17, and he wore it with pride. Happy birthday to Brian Stokes. How many guys remember Brian Stokes? He was a reliever who pitched a lot of games for us, especially in 2009 when he appeared in 69 games. 70 innings pitched. Uh, he was basically a setup man, 3.97 ERA. And he was the winner of the Sterling Award uh, back in 2008 for the Mets uh, when he was at the New Orleans Zyphers. Uh, happy birthday to Ken Boyer. Yes. Ken Boyer. He didn't win the MVP award with the Mets, but he was an MVP winner with the Cardinals in 64. Then he came to the Mets in 66. He had a pretty decent year in 66. He had uh, 14 homers, 61 RBIs, 266 batting average. And he led the Mets and runs bad in in 66 with 61. Uh, on base and base on base and slugging with 719 66. So he had a pretty good career with the Mets. 66 and 67. And happy birthday to Howell Reniff, who played 29 games with us in 1967. Uh, Howell was a pitcher. He pitched in 29 games, 43 innings, and a 3.35 ERA and a 3 and 3 record. So happy birthday to all these fine Jets. I do want to apologize. I announced birthday celebrations for Ken Boyer and Hal Reniff. What I didn't mean to say was they passed away on this date. So my sincerest apologies on that little mistake of mine. But charge me with an E big mouth. Error on the big mouth. But anyway, let's go to a game, put on our time machine so I can get the hell out of this mess I just created for myself. And go back to Friday, September 7th, 1984, which it's hard to believe was 37 years ago. And what a night it was. Uh, I was actually in the ballpark that day, mm -hmm. and Shea Stadium was at one of its highest points as it had been in years. The excitement of the Davy Johnson's Mets was even more electric when young phenom Dwight Gooden was on the mound. Gooden was lighting up Shea with the K-corner in the upper deck and the wave cheer flowing through the rafters. On this night, it was the most exciting, one of the most exciting games of the year as the second-place Mets, 79-62, and 62, were in the heat of a pennant race. Six and a half games back at the Chicago Cubs, 85-56. and 56. Tonight, Dr. K, 14-8, went up against the Cubs' Dick Ruthven, 5-9. Now, the game was complete with a Kill Cubs banner, featuring a heavy metal-style dude swirling an axe at a little bear. Oh yeah, typical night Friday night at Shea in the upper deck. And if memory serves me right, uh, there were a lot of Cub fans in that upper deck too, so security was kind of tight. Things were rowdy in the upper deck in the 80s in those days. He was rooting for a hated rival team. Now, here's the lineup for the Cubs that day. Bob Dernier, center field, leading off. Ryan Sandberg, second base, batting second. Gary Matthews, left field, batting third. Leon Dorham, playing first, batting fourth. Keith Morland, right field, batting fifth. Ron Say, playing third base, batting sixth. Jody Davis, catching, batting seventh. Larry Boa, playing shortstop, batting eighth. Dick Ruthven, pitching, batting ninth. 
And for our beloved Metropolitans, Wally Backman playing second base, leading off. Mookie Wilson playing center field, batting second. Keith Hernandez playing first base, batting third. Darryl Strawberry playing right field, batting fourth. George Forster playing left, batting fifth. Hubie Brooks playing short, batting sixth. Ray Knight, the third baseman, batting seventh. Mike Fitzgerald batting eighth, catching. And the doctor, Dwight Gooden, pitching, batting ninth. And yes, to answer your question, Dwight Gooden was spectacular. He struck out two Cubs in each of the first three innings, and the crowd was going crazy. In the first inning, Wally Backman tripled, and Mookie Wilson hit a sack fly to make it one nothing. The Mets got to Ruthven in the third. Mike Fitzgerald singled, Gooden burning him over, and Wally Backman drew a walk. Mookie Wilson then doubled in two runs. Mookie would an RBI single in the fourth as well. With two outs, Dow Strawberry has walked intentionally. George Foster then delivered with a three-run blast his 20th of the year, bringing the Shafe faithful to a frenzy. It was now 6-0 Mets, and the wave was rolling through the stands. Ah, uh, yeah, who remembers the wave? The wave was really big back then at Shea. Now, Dwight Gooden was shutting down the Cubs, and all of a sudden had a no-hitter going. He was adding even more excitement to the night. But in the fifth inning, Keith Moreland hit a little ground ball to third base. Ray Knight explained what happened. I was playing back and off the line. Nobody had been pulling, Doc, and Moreland goes the other way, and he doesn't run well. I came in at such a sharp angle, I had to catch the ball and throw it all at once. But I never got the ball out of my hand. My momentum was carrying me toward their dugout, and there was no way I could throw the ball. I didn't even realize that was their first hit. I was concentrating so hard. Now, at the time, it seemed meaningless until the game rolled on. In the sixth, he got... Don Ron to foul out, then Bob DeNier fly out, and Ryan Sandberg ground out to second base. In the seventh, Gooden walked Gary Matthews to start the inning. He then got Leon Durham and Keith Moreland to fly out, and then he struck out pitch hitter Thad Bosley to end the inning. The crowd erupted, and the K corner added another K. Now, in the Mets' seventh, Keith Hernandez had an RBI single and Darryl Strawberry a two-run homer, his 21st of the year. It was a 10-0 Mets lead. In the eighth, Gooden got Ron Hassey and Bob DeNier to fly out and struck out Roan to keep the one-hitter intact. In the ninth inning, Davey Lopes walked, but Gooden struck out Henry Cotto, got Leon Durham to pop out, and Tom Verizer ground out to end the game. The crowd went crazy as the legacy of Doc Gooden continued to grow. Gooden earned his 15th win, six straight, as he struck out 11, allowing just one hit and four walks in the shutout. It was the 14th one-hitter in Mets history, and the second in the 80s. Gooden's 11 strikeouts raised his league-leading total to 235, breaking Grove, Grove, excuse me, Grover Cleveland Alexander's National League record for strikeouts by a rookie, 227. On this night, he also tied two club records held by Tom Seaver, 13 games with 10 or more strikeouts and three consecutively. Now, Dwight Gooden was quoted as saying after the game, I'm not disappointed. The hit doesn't matter. I just wanted to win the game. This was just not another game. This is a big game for us to get our confidence going. Tonight was one of my better games. I felt great going into the game, and I felt strong at the end. And to make matters even better, Gooden even got two hits in the game, more than the entire Cub lineup. There you go, doctor, doctor. Tell us the news. You had a great, great game. Now, what else happened on this day in Met history? Well, let's go back. Let's get at the old uh, history book here, the Met history book. What do we got? What do we got? Okay. What we do have here is 
On this date in 1968, Jerry Kuzman set a new franchise mark for victories, getting his 17th win in the season when the Mets beat Pittsburgh at Forbes Field 4-3. The rookie southpaw en route to a 19-12 record breaks the team record established by Tom Seaver the previous year. And this, this was what it was like to play in Jerry Park. 1973, to prevent an injury, a second game of the Mets Expos doubleheader at Jerry Park is delayed for 11 minutes. The setting sun over the rim of the Montreal ballpark makes it impossible for the first baseman to see the ball being thrown from certain positions on the field. And let's get back to Kuzman. Now let's go to 73, that same game in Jerry Park. Jerry Kuzman establishes a franchise mark with a streak of 31.2 consecutive scoreless innings before it is snapped when a run crosses the plate in the bottom of the third inning in the Mets' 4-2 victory in Montreal. Although Dwight Gooden will pass the left-hander's effort with 36.2 consecutive innings without giving up an earned run, Kuzman's record without allowing any runs will last for 39 years before it is surpassed by knuckleballer R.A. Dickey in 2012. What else is going on in Met history on this day? Well, how about, let's go back to 1978. Mets backs, backstop John Stearns establishes a new mark for National League catchers with his 25th stolen base. Johnny Kling swiped 24 bases for the Cubs in 1902, but that was gone thanks to John Stearns. Now, in that game where well, we already talked, about, we went in detail about that whole Dwight Gooding game, so that's all we're going to talk about now. But uh, a lot of stuff happened on this day in Met history. Okay, now we're going to talk about what's going on in the greatest New York Mets baseball Facebook group there is, New York Mets Baseball Way of Life. If you're not a member but are on Facebook, please join. Great content, great conversation, great members, all about the New York Mets, so please join. If you're not a subscriber to this podcast, please do subscribe. You will be updated every time one is available, and you'll have access to our entire library to podcasts. And if you ever need to reach out to me, I'm at P-H-I-L-S-T-A-N-4-1 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. So what's going on in the group? Well, we kind of discussed yesterday in the whole series with the Nationals. The Mets blew leads in three of their first four games here, but still won. Well, yesterday, their fifth game, they blew another and lost. They were three outs away from winning four to five. Instead, they won... Three of five in a time when they need to win just about every one. And Don Laub points out, and another brutal 14-game stretch coming up against really good teams, the Yankees, Cards, Phils, Red Sox, and Brewers. Yikes. And I mentioned that the Mets scored a total of 95 runs in 28 August games. They already scored 39% of that total, 37 runs in just five September games. Now how about Javi Baez? It's coming off the IL. He's batting 313, 365, 667 with five doubles, four homers, and seven RBIs. He has come to life. So it's good to see Javi doing it. And the Mets are actually playing back. They just need to get the pitching and hitting in sync at the same time. And a prospect we've all been watching, third baseman Mark Vientos, he's a Mets number six overall top prospect. He's been going to Triple A Syracuse in seven games for Double A Birmingham this se- Binghamton this season. He's crushed 22 homers and slashed 281, 346, 580 with a 927 OPS. 
Now, who are the Mets who went 4-4 better with a homer and stolen base in Met history? Javi Baez, Kevin McReynolds, Dow Strawberry, Mookie Wilson, Strawberry twice actually, Teddy Martinez, who remembers Teddy? Tommy Angie did it twice, and Tommy Davis did it once. Now, Pete Alonso became the 21st player in MLB history and first player in Met history with 230 home run seasons during his first three years. Good job. I mentioned that Dominic Smith has been reinstated from the Breedman list. Pitcher Chan Sisko has been optioned to AAA Syracuse. And right-hand pitcher Steven Nagosik has been reinstated from the 10-day IL and optioned to AAA Syracuse. Then I kind of threw this one out there. Remember when Diaz was bad in non-save situations and excellent save situations? Well, since July 11th, when Diaz is coming for a save, he has a 7.43 ERA, 1.58 whip, and has blown five saves. That has not helped the cause, has it? And Diaz lifetime at Nationals Park, 9.39 ERA, 2.22 whip, 324-425-588 slash line. And that results in a 1.013 OPS in 12 games at Nationals Park. Oy. Then one of the questions we asked was, what is the craziest Met game you ever saw? A lot of you had some good answers. Among them were, uh, Joe L. DiVincenzo says July 4th, 1985. Jason Lynch said, today, they're doing it again. And he said that on Sunday, and by golly, he was right. Then Marty Rose says, May 31st, 1964. 23 innings, which was the second game of doubleheader, included a triple play in the 14th inning when I really wanted to go home. Hasn't that happened to all of us, Marty? Marty's friend, a Giants fan, wanted to stay. It ended about 11.30, and we got there 12 hours earlier for batting practice. Guys who had left the game earlier were sitting in the stands in street clothes, and they had school the next day, Marty said. Now, that's a true Met fan. Then I asked, who was the most athletic New York Met? Jason Lynch said, Javier Baez. Don Lobb said, Marcus Stroman. Two excellent choices. And those are some of the fun things we're always talking about in the group, so if you're not a member, please do join. And then we gave birthday salutations to Alex Escobar. Harvey Porter's pointed out another can't-miss prospect who missed. Israel Rosales says another can't-miss 5-2 prospect that the Mets hyped up. Jason Lynch says, I'll never be able to hear his name without thinking about Fernando Martinez, ABD, vice versa. Yep, that is for sure. So again, if you're not a member, join us. All the good things we're talking about in the group. What's that we hear in the background? The Kiner's Corner original theme music. That can only be one thing. We're coming to the end of another successful podcast. And again, I want to thank you for listening and all your support. Tune in again tomorrow. We'll hopefully we'll have a happy recap about the first of three against the Marlins. Don't forget tonight's game starts at 6.40 p.m. in Lone Depot Park, Miami, Florida. SNY will be covering it. Should be a good game. Cookie Carrasco, 0-2 with 6.59 ERA going for the Metropolitans. And Edward Carrera, 0-1, 5.23. Don't let the Marlins record deceive you. They're a good, gutsy ball club, and it'll be challenging for the Mets. Every game's like a playoff game now. So hopefully we win, get one in a bag in the series, and start the rest of the season the way we want it to go. So hopefully we'll see you tomorrow with a happy recap. If not, we'll be here and we'll talk about the game. Either way, let's go Mets, and thanks for listening. Enjoy the beautiful day. Talk to you tomorrow.